Time for your third primary pod. Of course, all of this podcast emanates from the show Primary Source on New England Cable News, Monday through Friday, 7 to 8 p.m. I am the host of both, Brian Shackman. On the Primary Pod, we don't take programming directly from the show to it, but when we have opportunities to expand on a subject or talk to a certain guest, we do that here. And this show in particular is is extremely fun for me, and hopefully it'll be informative for you, because NBC has come up with this new brand called the Road Warriors, and basically through the last few elections, uh, they have hired a whole crew of young journalists to cover every candidate all the way through the process. And truth be told, in journalism, some of these uh, young men and women become stars in the business. And so from the journalistic side, it's a great opportunity. From the coverage side, NBC News covers it better than anybody else in the entire country. And tonight, two frequent contributors to Primary Source, Julia Jester and Amanda Golden, are with me here. And I, we've forged this sort of uh, working relationship. They get to do a little bit of TV and have a little fun with us, and we desperately love their content <laughs> um so i you know what first of all thanks for coming guys thank you for having us thank you so much so i, I wanted to start because very few people know the life of a road warrior so I, I guess i would start with you julia can you just give people a quick bio who you are where you're from where you went to school and how the heck you landed in this 2020 election race my name is Julia Jester. I was born and raised just outside of Baltimore, Maryland. I went to Georgetown University where I kind of just was consumed by not only politics, but culture and how it affected people. Uh, so I knew I wanted to do something in that realm and covering an election was the perfect fit. So I ended up at NBC as a page, coincidentally with Amanda. <laughs> so um, you knew each other as pages. Yeah, yes, we, we did. And we kind of had diverging paths. And then a few years later came back together. So it was a little bit of a reunion. And now um, we're living in a hotel in New Hampshire together. <laughs> in reporter <laughs> dorm. It's great. So tell me this. When you were a page, you left NBC to do something else for a little while? So I did not. I ended up doing some assignments in long form production and MSNBC. And then I ended up at the Today Show. So I worked a little bit out on the West Coast at the LA Bureau, then ended up back in New York. Uh, and now I am here covering the election. And you just applied for it like you'd apply for a job? Yes. Okay. And and you, Amanda? Amanda Golden. I am from San Francisco, California. I grew up on the West Coast. I then went to college at Colgate University, upstate New York. So I've seen east coast winters but it's been a few years and right. i'm, I'm better nervous. buckle up i know yeah. i i'm not prepared i know i've told you i'm very nervous to drive in snow um and all throughout college was really involved with the student newspaper worked my way up to editor there uh lots of internships in digital media and print so you wanted to be a journalist I wanted to be a journalist i didn't know i wanted to be in tv i kind of stumbled into it i was lucky enough like julia said to be accepted to the page program and that exposed me to the whole production side and i just got totally hooked on the adrenaline and the storytelling um we were both pages and from 2015 to 2016 so it was right on the cusp of that election cycle right. so we were in 30 rock and running around with our heads cut off and it was fascinating and I, I don't know about Julia but I had such envy of the people that were out in the field as I was verbating all of their material <laughs> right. in, so. right. you're doing all the grunt work and yeah, exactly. well, th as you know that they were doing a ton of grunt workers as oh, well. Oh, yeah. It, it can be grueling yeah. even when you're in the field. So then you applied in the, sa in the same fashion. You were still in TV. Were you in the NBC in family? TV. Yeah. So I, I was with NBC through the page program. I then was a production assistant for Nightly News with Lester Holt. I then left the company for a couple of years and went to Washington, D.C. and was producing um, for an anchor at a different network and then was lucky enough to come back to NBC to do 2020 mm -hmm. coverage. So what, what, do you want to be 
uh, uh, Hallie Jackson. Is that the goal to be like the next? Doesn't Hallie? everyone want to be? Hallie Jackson? <laughs> no, but that's what she she was a uh, you know she was working on TV in Hartford you know eight yeah. years ago yeah. or what have you. So I mean, is that the goal? Well, the the interesting part about the embed program and and you were talking about World Warriors and and. So many of them, this cycle, were embeds in 2016. So our correspondents following the candidates got their their big breaks as as embeds and doing this reporting. And for me personally, I you know I think it would be a great opportunity to be on air as a reporter. But the great part about the embed role is that it's not necessarily on air focused. It's more focused on the reporting and. Right being the eyes and ears on the ground and then you get to it's like real reporting yeah and we and we get to that's like the part that i like and then it's like kind of like a bonus to be able to share it either through a podcast or on air but it is you know it's a very coveted position to be on air and the embed experiences so if it didn't end up in a full-time tv job you're okay with that yeah, I mean, I feel like you get so many skills in this job. You get, you know, writing articles and, you know, getting to write scripts for right. d- digital features and doing a little bit of on-air. So it's kind of like the perfect storm, right? Yeah. You're not even sure, like, you want to do TV, but you're not sure that's what you want to do for your life, right? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, if you look at, at journalism, just how it's evolved in the last five years, let alone ten years, it doesn't seem like there's that straightaway linear path. It's... Yes, you can go so to local true. news, you can work your way up to being a, a correspondent or an anchor, but now, like Julia said, especially in our jobs right now, you get to do a little bit of everything, and that is so fun, and I'm someone who hates, you know, having to pick and choose just one lane and sticking in it, right. especially when it comes to doing quality reporting and storytelling, so having the opportunity to be on the ground, like Julia said, highlight your work on air, through written articles, through digital stories, I think it's it's just a great opportunity. Yeah, the, the days of going to like Tuscaloosa, and then to Charlotte, and then to York. It's still a path, and it's still but it's incredibly not, honorable. And but it's actually not that. It's not. It, the odds of making it that route are much lower than they used to be. If your goal is to just be on TV, I think it's a great route mm-hmm. to take. If you're not totally sure what avenue you want to do, it, there's a lot of ways to get there. And some embeds have gone from being that to local to get more on-air experience right. to be able to to do kind of the big network correspondent. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and the thing track, about making so. it in journalism, and I, I want to move on to your life in New Hampshire, but the truth is you have to do whatever you're doing with the knowledge that you might not get what you want at the end, that there is failure is, is an option. And so I think some people are doing what you're doing. They get spit out because they realize how hard it is and that they may not get what they want at the end, and they sort of just fade away. Yeah. And I think the people – kind of people succeed the ones who work their way through it and and they hang on and then some people just are so talented and then if you have both if you work that hard and you have talent then it's it's a home run um does life suck in new hampshire for you guys like i mean is it i mean how much of a grind where are we in the grind meter right now in terms of the drudgery you don't even have bad weather yet I know. uh you haven't been told to be a conquered at nine and then back in manchester at 11 whatever i don't even know but like <laughs> I mean, it's a privilege to work to do the work you're doing. I know that, and yeah. I know you love it, and you guys work hard. I've seen you in action. You had the first one on the sticks yesterday, and I saw <laughs> Paul Steinhauser was like, "Hey," and you're like, "Yay!" And I see Julia. Just because you're first doesn't mean you're good. You know? <laughs> <And> <laughs> Julia's got like a camera around her neck and something on her shoulder, <laughs> and then she's sitting there. And if you don't know Julia, she's not particularly tall, and so it's We're just both not particularly tall. So I'm gonna talk, <laughs> Julia. <laughs> yeah. I, I admire. Yeah. She's all ta- that she's able to do. She's like tall for a podcast. So I mean, how how hard is life? right now i i would say i think of the line in harry potter uh 
the, in divination when the prediction is like, oh, you're going to suffer, but you're going to be happy about it. It is a grueling job, but I have never been more thankful to be in the place that I am. Um, I think it definitely helps having a partner here because Aww. on those. <laughs> but you those guys are a team. That's how we're it works. Totally yeah, we're a team. And we split. We do split up a lot because there's so many candidates. And so sometimes we won't we'll go days without seeing each other, even both being in New Hampshire. But it is something that we we came in this like knowing exactly not exactly what you're getting into because you do get a lot of curveballs. But it's a sacrifice. You you're living here. You are on all the time you're on call all the time you're getting deployed to different you know not just events here in New Hampshire but sometimes sent out for zone coverage so it is a lot to just have to not only cover all of the campaign events mm -hmm. but making sure you're staying on top of reporting and listening and talking to voters um, and it just it, it doesn't stop until until the primary and even then more so to the, there's no like because the TV is competitive right I mean do you any tension about, oh, you go there? I want to go there. Or I'm you her biggest cheerleader. I mean, and you're fine. I yeah. mean, it's, there's so much opportunity in this yes. job, which is fantastic, especially via NBC and MSNBC right. and all of the platforms. And you guys are so generous to have us on to highlight our work and to talk about this lifestyle. Um, but it's great that we could divide and conquer and also really collaborate. Some of our, arguably, some of our best work here mm -hmm. so far has been when we do it together. We have longer digital pieces or we do really cool, creative digital video I stuff. I love the cutaway in this. We're going to talk about these, um, <laughs> the canvas search, but there's one cutaway with just the two of you in the car. <laughs> the camera's really close <laughs> to Julie. Just like looking at the camera. It's, it's actually quite adorable. We're trying to, uh, which both my mother and others have commented that well, that's wildly uh, dangerous and stop yeah, filming in the car. Listen, a couple quick things because we, we don't have a ton of time for these things. I, I don't like podcasts to run too long, but there's so many fascinating things I want to talk about. What is it like getting that intimate and close with the campaigns? Like, you know the managers. A couple of the candidates, I'm sure, know you by name, and you're there. And one of those individuals could end up being the president of the United States. I mean, yeah. what is that like? Well, it's the luxury of New Hampshire, right? It's especially being in an early state, not just being assigned to one campaign. We get to cover all of the candidates and get to know all of their state-based teams and some of the national folks as well. Um, and it, we're all in this weird kind of bubble of a first-in-the-nation primary, and, and it's a lot of younger people, both on the campaign it's team. It's all younger there. people. For I, that's one thing I'm struck by. Like, these campaigns, pl politics at this level is a young person's business, well, both from the journalistic standpoint for the most part, and these campaigns. Like When I did the Klobuchar, I saw you at Klobuchar, mm -hmm. her national comms person – it's young. It's my age. Yeah. yeah. We're just I mean, the same age. And it's, it, maybe that's because of the grind. Is that it? Because it's not. Well, it's as you know, it's it's yeah. grueling. It's demanding. It, this is what, our fifth month out on the mm, trail? Yeah. And we still have over a year to go, but especially we have, you know, 98 days until the primary. Mm -hmm. It's a grueling time to be out here. So it, I don't think it bodes well if you have a mortgage or kids and, and things like that. Yeah. And I will say, like, the, the name embed is because you're really embedded with these campaigns. Like, you have to be with them all the time you have to be on the ground all the time and so we don't really have the ability to kind of go in and out um like some of the more you know seasoned journalists and something that has been really great is to be able to learn from the veterans you know we're yeah. all young and scrappy but even in new hampshire whether it's the local reporters or as our national teams come through and we right. have you know our seasoned correspondents and producers and our editors you know just learning from 
from the pros and also like being students of history and making sure we take the time to right. listen to those New Hampshire podcasts and and study we were just up doing on that in the car. Yeah, yeah. We we're just, <laughs> we're just <laughs> learning about like this. Dork Central. Don't no, it's so fun. <laughs> but really, though, you know, we're it's both funny. total nerds. It's I, great. I look at Casey Hunt as young, and I think this this is, she's been through three cycles. I think yeah. you know, and so and she's got a tremendous experience. And I remember when she first started coming on on MSNBC when I was there. A couple quick things because I, I do want to get to the camera. Just give me a quick anecdote of like like your biggest like flat tire disaster, <laughs> drink on the sweater with no <laughs> with no repla- right with no replacement. <laughs> like what what what's happened? What's gone wrong? Oh, oh boy. boy. Well, I think I told you this last time. I there was a car accident. I didn't elaborate this when I was on your air, but I was in my very first ever car accident and my first ever hit and run. Someone hit my car and took off. And took off through like an intersection and I <laughs> here was the really fun New Hampshire angle. I'm totally fine. The car wasn't, but it was a rental. Hertz was very kind to me. <laughs> we worked all of it out. But because the accident happened in Hookset, New Hampshire, but I pulled over technically in Bedford, New Hampshire, <laughs> I had to deal with two police departments oh through the goodness. whole ordeal. But uh, were you like, was it emotional? Like, were you like? No, I was a little shaken in the moment, it? but I, mostly because I'm a terrible driver and I'm trying to be better. But. I'm worried uh, about the winter. I'm, I'm really Man has given me this heads up about winter time. I know. Um, it's, it's not going to be what about, what about you? Um, has it been perfect? It's been great, but I wouldn't <laughs> say it's been it's been perfect. No, you really just have to be able to roll with the punches. Like, uh, there have been t- – like, I was coming back from the debate and flying into Manchester, and my flight got canceled, and I had to divert to Boston and then, like – just stay there and figure out a way to get back. And before this experience, that would have stressed me out so much. I would have been so anxious about getting back and like right. making it home and all. But now I'm just like, all right, we changed the flight. We keep going. We make sure that. <laughs> I don't know about Juliet. Like we are both very, Juliet's incredibly organized. I consider myself decently organized and a planner. This job just like completely changes your personality to be able to roll with the punches and also get to know customer service very well and like try to figure out. That's a great management skill. It's good. I think it's really good. It allows you to be a little more adept and flexible, but we're also such, you know, we we like to know what's going on and be able to see what's coming and you just don't have that in this job. Next time we talk to you, we'll we'll do more candidate focused stuff, but you know, in terms of time, I want to talk about this piece you did on the canvassers. One, I believe was a paid person for Biden. One was unpaid for Bernie. Maybe that speaks to a little bit of the cash burn rate of Biden that he has to hire people and Bernie gets volunteers, but I won't talk about that. It was great. It was like a four or five minute piece. And uh, you followed them around as they knocked on doors, which is just humiliating at certain times. I mean, it's like door knocks for journalists. You have to go to these people's homes who you know don't want to talk to you and still try to talk to them. We're going to run a little snippet here of of a day in the life of these two uh, young men. I am originally from Los Angeles, California, and I graduated from UCLA in June. Meet Noah Mayer, a staff field organizer for the Joe Biden campaign in New Hampshire. Well, New Hampshire. I'm not 100% sure. I was going to go to law school, and then I was like, you know what? I need to go work for Joe Biden. I need to go do something to help our country. And so the only campaign I applied to was Joe Biden, and I got an interview in New Hampshire, and I got a second interview in New Hampshire, and then I got a job out here. So I think I moved on like six days' notice and started working. And Albert So, an unpaid volunteer for the Bernie Sanders campaign here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my name is Albert, and I'm here with the Bernie Sanders campaign. Um, do you have a second uh, to talk about the Democratic primary? Uh, 
Okay, thank you. We spent a Saturday afternoon with them as they knocked on doors in the state capital of Concord to better understand why they keep going in an oftentimes grueling job. Hi there. I was hoping to speak with Mary today. Um, yeah, no, I'm not. You're not interested? No. Okay, thank you very much, ma'am. Have a good one. Yeah. Okay, I don't want to go through, like, who they are, but, I mean, what kind of person volunteers to go to New Hampshire and every day knock on somebody's door to try to get them to vote for your candidate. I mean, to me, I'm not saying it's crazy, but, like, that's something I can't I, – I, as much as I believe in a lot of causes, I, I've never done, and I don't know if I would do. Yeah, I think that was part of what drew us to this story was because, yes, people can be passionate about who they're supporting, but what ultimately drives them to go out and do this, especially as we get closer to bad weather and winter – um, but what was really interesting to see, like like you said, they were different kinds of positions. One was a field organizer and one was a volunteer. Um, and these campaigns have both of those figures that go out and talk to. Why are they doing it? Who are they? Are they they're college educated, trying to get the experience, trying to, you know, sort of catch on with the campaign to get a job in D.C.? Like, give us an idea why they're doing it. I would argue it's a mix of a couple of things. It's it's utter passion for your candidate. You believe in what they're doing to the point where you're willing to go out and knock on these doors. And the moment calls for it, I think. Is the Volunteer a trust fund kid, though? Like, I mean, what? How no, did I mean, the so it's it was interesting to put those two experiences together, like having like a staff organizer who their job is to go out, knock on doors, and then convince people to volunteer for the campaign. And then those volunteers go out and knock on doors. Right. And it's just kind of like trying to spread like support like wildfire right. almost. And and the, the volunteer that I shadowed, going knocking door to door he's a software engineer here and just spends three hours every saturday knocking on doors in neighborhoods mm -hmm. that the campaign has de designated as targeted areas for him to go to that day to share why he's passionate about his candidate which is bernie sanders and as you said it's you know you you have to really like doing that and there are different levels like there are some volunteers that you know pack up and move across the country and do it full time, you know, without compensation or there are some that just, you know, show up and sign in people at events. But in terms of the canvassing and door knocking, that particular act was really interesting to us because it it highlights that retail politics aspect right. of New Hampshire and, and how important the ground game is because, you know, it's it's shown that that face to face interaction can really convince someone to not only vote for the candidate, but to take action to spread the word and spread the message. Is it effect it's effective? It is effective. I it mean, ground game arguably for the longest time, and we're going to see how this plays out for this particular cycle, but has been the name of the game in New Hampshire, being able to make those interpersonal connections as well as have your candidate be in living rooms, be in backyards, talking to voters directly in a lot of different areas throughout the state makes a real difference and is the privilege of the New Hampshire primary and also gives further incentive to take the nationalization out of politics while DNC is setting new regulations for what right. makes a candidate qualify for a debate. There is that aspect to the whole game right now, but a lot of candidates, and we hear this from the ones especially that come to New Hampshire more than others, they value that interpersonal connection with voters and being able to talk to everyone, see what, what problems they're experiencing and how these candidates can best help them uh, if becoming president. And the door knocking really allows the campaigns to capitalize on energy and momentum. So whether it is at an event, you see volunteers furiously signing attendees up to uh, 
volunteer for the campaign because they're in that moment where they're like, oh, wow, I'm in so all inspired. of this candidate. Yeah. I'm right. so inspired. Right. And so that's why you see, you know, after like a debate, if a candidate has a big moment, then they can mobilize their volunteers to go out and talk to people in person and, and get them to sign on board in that moment of, you know, excitement. So listen. Two hands on the wheel, <laughs> go slow, Thank you. and don't accelerate too suddenly, okay? We're going to get snow this week, okay? I'm, we're going to see you in Concord, and I want you to get there safe. Julia, it seems like you're chilling, so you, you don't need any sort of de-stressing <laughs> yeah, advice. You didn't drive here with me, so <laughs> <laughs> Amanda had the misfortune. So I, I would like to check in with you guys maybe every six weeks, four to six yeah, weeks or so, yeah, because there's be a great. bunch of other questions I still didn't even get to. Julia Jester and Amanda Golden, thank you so much for joining us here on the Primary Pod. Thank, thank you. Thank you.